It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is the Jets-Bills pregame report. So we're going to start with the injury news because there's plenty of it with our expert on all things medical, 35-year orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Steven Stoller. Doc, how was your holiday, sir? Oh, it was great, Scott. And I hope yours was too. Certainly was. Well, it was definitely better than the holiday of the Jets' offensive line, and that's where we'll start because the Jets are going to start their ninth combination of offensive linemen later today when they take on the Bills. Tom Compton, who is a backup to begin with, is out. Alex Lewis, who is a backup to start the season, also out. Two new guards, Connor McDermott and Brent Quale. Tell me about these injuries to Lewis and Compton. Sure. Um Tom Compton has a uh, calf strain and he didn't participate, which means that, um, you know, the pain uh, in his calf due to the bleeding and the inflammation is not um, subsided enough. And since he did not practice throughout the week and he's out um, and it's the last game, I think his recovery will be fine, but it takes a couple of weeks um, for that to resolve. Um, As far as Alex Lewis is concerned, he sprained his ankle during last week's game, and um, he did not practice during the week. And uh, I would presume that's because of pain and swelling, so it would be too soon to put him in a functional brace or tape his ankle. So he is also out, but his recovery should be good. We're going to bypass the rest of the injury report because it's all guys that are listed as questionable with injuries that we've talked about what seems to be every week, including Demarius Thomas, who seriously has been on the injury report every week with the exact same injury. And so I wanted to talk about a broader topic in this regard, and that's the fact, Doc, that it seems like there's an unusually high number of injuries with this team, and this is a trend that Adam Gase had in Miami as well. I know that there's strict rules when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement for the NFL, but are there any other ways in which Gase could be doing things that would be causing something like this? I'm not accusing him. I'm just curious because it's an odd trend. You know, I, I you brought up the fact that the injury rate was similar to this when he was in Miami. And so I really am not uh, familiar with that. I would like to see whether this continues if it does continue and it's a higher incidence than um, other teams, then you would think that there's uh, some reason or factor that's um, allowing more injuries to occur than, you know, other teams. Uh, But as of now, I would think that I'm hoping that this would just be an outlier. Uh, But there are, you know, there are things that 
can be done uh, to um, prevent some of the injuries with uh, different kinds of conditioning techniques and um, certainly measuring their flexibility and increasing their uh, flexibility was something that would be uh, helpful. And also with, um, you know, how quickly and aggressive that you uh, treat these injuries will sometimes affect how soon they will uh, return or whether or not they're returning um, when they're not fully or uh, recovered, which may aggravate the injury and uh, cause them to go on injury reserve uh, due to the aggravation of that specific injury. But, uh, you know, being that I don't know enough about their training techniques, you know, it's hard for me to be very specific on this issue. I want to ask you about the Le'Veon Bell situation because he joked that they're looking to clone him because they've taken so much of his blood. Apparently, he's been tested up to eight times this season, not for marijuana, which is something that he had trouble with in the past and was suspended for, but for HGH. What would be the value in this? You know, it doesn't make sense to me because if they tested him eight times for the same thing, it's either he was positive or he was negative. And if he was negative, why would you, you know, select him uh, to be tested eight times? That seems really unreasonable and also uh, would not give you a very high yield of suspicion if he's tested negative. And especially negative multiple times. If he's tested positive, you know, seven times, and this is the eighth time, why wouldn't you suspend him, you know, um, prior to this eighth examination? So there's something really strange about the whole thing. And, you know, unless the NFL clarifies it, I mean, I would have to agree with Le'Veon Bell that, you know, why are you testing me eight times for the same thing in the same year? One last question. This has nothing to do with the Jets specifically, but it does pertain to the NFL. And there has been a lot of rumor in terms of this guy being in play for the Miami Dolphins in the draft. You were telling me something interesting about Tua and the procedure that he just underwent and the risks that are involved long term. Talk to me about that a little bit. Well, he has an injury that was similar to uh, Bo Jackson, maybe even worse. Um, and you know, nothing changes in the pathology of this particular injury. And what happens is when you dislocate your hip, you injure the blood supply to the ball of the ball and socket joint of the hip. And then what can happen and is not infrequent is that part of the ball of the hip socket dies because of the, uh, injury, uh, to the blood supply. And this won't happen immediately, but it can happen um, in the near future. And I would be, you know, statistically, um, the chances of him developing some form of what's called avascular necrosis um, is very high. And so I would, you know, buyer beware, you know, in his situation. Now, you know, I don't know. He could certainly get you know, a couple of good years um, without having a problem or he could have a problem just like Bo Jackson did, you know, in a couple of months or a year. And then shortly afterwards, he ended up with a total hip replacement at a very young age. 
So I think that he runs into that same category. And um, I would be very cautious about drafting them or I would draft him with the full knowledge that this is a possibility and that his career could be shortened or hindered because of the injury. Doc, as always, a pleasure talking to you. We will talk plenty during the offseason, even if we're not doing these weekly injury reports. In the meantime, if anybody has questions they want to ask you, if they just want to talk about Jets or anything else, how can they get a hold of you? Well, the first thing is the good news for the Jet players is that after this week that they can't be injured because the season is over. <laughs> so that's a good thing. And if anyone wants to contact me, they can contact me on Twitter through Steven Stoller, MD, or as the aging athlete. And with that, we jump into the mailbag with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right into the mailbag with Jesus De La Paz Jr. He says, do you think Greg Williams would want to switch to a 4-3 scheme? And what moves do you think would have to be made for Greg Williams to have the right personnel for a 4-3? I'm saying this in part because I'm hoping that a 4-3 will help unleash Quinn and Williams. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Greg Williams starts to use more 4-3 looks in 2020. It's something that he's always been very comfortable with. I think that he knew that getting off the ground in 2019, he didn't have the personnel for it, but that he could sort of work towards shifting to it. Now, in the modern NFL, nobody runs exclusively 3-4 or 4-3. They mix and match. But... There are base 4-3 and base 3-4s, meaning that some defenses run more 4-3 and some defenses run more 3-4. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Greg Williams shifts more in the direction of a base 4-3 next season. As far as personnel, honestly, the only thing that he really needs would be an edge rusher. Because I think that he's got C.J. Mosley there for his middle linebacker. And if they bring back Jordan Jenkins, he fits really well too. You can mix and match Avery Williamson if you keep him. But if you run more 4-3, you wouldn't use him as much. And so you go out, you get yourself an edge rusher. You've already got a stacked defensive line, so you don't have to worry about that. So I think with Quinn and Williams, the emergence of Foley Fadakasi and Nathan Shepard and Kyle Phillips. You've got McClendon here who they extended another year, Henry. Anderson you are loaded on that defensive line so you could do 3-4 or 4-3 and then you just worry about getting yourself an edge rusher and you're all set yeah the the defensive line is pretty much set and, and good they could run a, a exclusive 4-3 right now really um you're right they're missing that edge rusher that's something that they need I don't think that you'll see anything that drastic a full switch there and uh, a large part because of C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson. I think, assuming that they bring back Avery Williamson and he's fully healthy, I think that they will want to have those two guys on the field at the same time for a lot of snaps. So in order – and for for that to happen, they will have to be in a 3-4. They can obviously do some 4-3, and they can just have C.J. Mosley in there, and they can just rotate Avery Williamson in – for the three, four packages or just to spell CJ Mosley on plays here and there. But I think they would want to maximize those two guys. So I think that they would stick with mostly a three, four, but yeah, they're not far off from being able to, to run exclusively four, three. And if you got them in that edge rusher um, at one of those ends there, then I think they could definitely do it. But again, I think that they would want to maximize, uh, 
Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley on the field at the same time. So I do think that they would still do a heavy amount of 3-4. I think Quinn Williams can be a star in a 3-4, but I think he would really flourish in a 4-3 as well. The question here is just going to be a matter of putting the right pieces around him. I think if you have a healthy C.J. Mosley and a healthy Avery Williamson in a 3-4 and then add an edge rusher, That'll be a big help because then you won't have to use Quinnen to stunt in two gaps so much. And the same thing in a 4-3. I think that if you put him into a 4-3 and you get that edge rusher, it'll help a lot too. Jesus continues, can you guys see a scenario where Christopher Johnson gives Douglas a directive that he must keep Bell and extend Adams? Yeah, I could definitely see that happening because remember, Christopher Johnson was the one that pushed so hard for Le'Veon Bell in the first place. And as far as Jamal Adams, we know that Christopher Johnson loves Jamal Adams and Jamal Adams feels comfortable enough going directly to him. It's certainly possible that Christopher Johnson could go to Joe Douglas and say, listen, I want this guy locked up. I want him a jet for life. Make it happen. I could easily see either one of those. Now, am I saying it's going to happen? No, I think there's a possibility that both guys get shopped in the offseason. In fact, in Bell's case, I think it's fairly likely. But could I see a scenario where Christopher Johnson makes those directives? Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely 100% see it with Jamal. Way more than I could see it with Le'Veon. I also could see, um, completely separate from this, Joe Douglas going ahead and testing the market and then if he, he doesn't he's not getting offers anywhere near what he wants I could see him on his own saying you know what we're keeping him and we're going to extend him now that would be the smart way to play it um I've said this before I'll say it again if you're going to keep Jamal then you lock him up as soon as possible the longer you wait the more it's going to cost you in the long run so lock him up as soon as possible um so go ahead and Take your uh, go ahead and shop. See what he says. Uh, what you can get, and then if the return's not enough, which I don't think it will be, because they're going to want a lot, and I don't know that anyone's going to be willing to give up more than they were willing to give up at the deadline. Um, then go ahead and lock him up. So I could see uh, Christopher Johnson pushing for that, but I could also see him not having to push for that. I just think that is the smart move at this point. If you're not going to trade him, you know that, then just lock him up at a cheaper deal than you will if you wait two years to sign him. The money's only going to go up the longer you wait. Le'Veon Bell, I could see it, but it's a, it's a low percentage. I think at this point, Christopher Johnson would be more willing to just be like, all right, if you guys think this is what needs to happen, then this is what needs to happen. Um, I could see him being, you know, it's possible that he was like, listen, I really wanted him. He's been nothing but great since he's been here. <laughs> um, let, let's figure out a way to keep him and move forward going on. I, I could see that happening, but I, I'm saying like 15, 20% chance max here where I, I could see it at, at like an 80, 90% chance that it might happen with Jamal. Jesus then asks, what's the general sentiment about Christopher Herndon within the Jets organization since they extended Griffin? Is it possible for Gase to incorporate both of them within his genius scheme? Is it possible? Yes. Will he do it? Probably not. His history indicates that that's not something that he's interested in doing a lot of. I'm going to turn this over to you, Chris, in terms of what the Jets think of Herndon internally because that's something where you would have a much better read with your sources than I would. Yeah, I know they were really excited about him and what they could do with him and in this offense before the season. 
obviously this became a lost season started with the suspension and then the injury and then he came back for you know part of a game and then got another injury and was lost for the season so right now i th- i think the decision to to re- extend uh griffin bring him back is kind of, is kind of a safety blanket type of thing cuz it's as excited as we were about uh, herndon we haven't seen it we don't know for sure and if if it doesn't work for whatever reason, uh, injury, off-field problems, just on-field production's just not there. Then we have the backup with with Griffin. Uh, it is a little concerning though, because as you said, uh, Adam Gase is not somebody who you see a lot of two tight end things there. So it's it's hard to bank and imagine that he's going to really sit in the off season and draw up a lot of two tight end sets and adjust, make that adjustment, but. I, so I, I think the best way to put it is they're a little more, more hesitant on Herndon, but they still believe in him and they still uh, have hopes for him and you know think he can do good things. But we haven't seen it yet, so he's going to need to prove it. And with Griffin, they have a backup case in case something goes wrong there now. Um that's really the best I can offer right now because again, that they this was a lost season for Herndon, and I I think if he comes back healthy next year, he doesn't have any more off the field problems. I think you will see him take that tight end uh, one spot, and they will really work with him and uh, include him a lot. And then Griffin would be the backup, the second tight end, do some second tight end sets, and then spell Herndon some other times. You could also do stuff where you have. Griffin be the tight end, and you line Herndon out wide. So there's lots of different ways you can uh, you can finesse that situation. But I think right now they're like, okay, well, we're hopeful on Herndon, but we have to take uh, the step like we're not going to get anything out of him, and anything we do get out of him is a bonus until he starts to prove that on the field. And then once he does, I think they will quickly say, okay, let's go all in with him as the tight end number one here for us. Final question from Jesus. What's your way too early prediction as to who the Jets could target as a backup quarterback? That's a tough question. Gase is stubborn. He likes guys that he's familiar with that will fit into his system. So I got to imagine it's going to be somebody he knows from a past job. He could just stick with Simeon, though. Simeon only played half of football, and then he should be healthy by next year. So maybe he brings Simeon back. Maybe he sticks with fails, seems to like fails. I really don't know. Brock Osweiler, it's hard to say this far out. Think he can uh, coax Jay Cutler back out of retirement? If it means Kristen Cavallari shows up at Jets home games, I'm in. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Teddy Bridgewater, that's not going to happen. Andy Dalton, uh, uh, Marcus Mariota, Case Keenum. I, I tend to think that that you're right. He would look for somebody he's familiar with, um, somebody that would fit his system. Um, we keep saying this over and over again. What about Ryan Tannehill? Bring him back now. Uh, that that was obviously <laughs> a joke. Um, but yeah, I could see him sticking with fails. I could see. I could maybe they draft somebody. Uh, uh, that's not going to help uh, uh, much in you know year two if they need him to play. What's I don't know, man. I'm I would right now. I'd honestly say that probably fails. Just bring back fails, knowing Gase and knowing how he operates. 
I, I would, I think he'd probably, uh, maybe they draft somebody late and they bring back fails. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question from Michael Palace of the Jet Up Bleeding Green podcast again. Follow-up question from a previous mailbag. You said you wouldn't skip the wide receiver number one pick just for the sake of skipping it, just to prove Darnold can win without a number one wide receiver. So, if Andrew Thomas and Jerry Judy are both on the board, who are you taking? This is a question that I'm uncomfortable answering completely right now, only because I really want to dig into the tape on Thomas and Judy, but especially Thomas, because with offensive linemen, it's really hard to see in real time how good or bad they are. You can get an idea, but to really take a look under the hood is how you find out how good or bad an offensive lineman is. So I really want to look at Andrew Thomas and see if he's the guy that my eyes initially tell me he is just from watching him on Saturdays. Remember, there are a lot of times where an offensive lineman will be ranked really, really high throughout the season, and then once the draft process plays out, that offensive lineman dips and some other offensive lineman rises up the board. We've seen it a bunch of times. Jonah Williams would be an example of somebody that throughout the entire season everybody thought was guaranteed to be a top three pick, and then he fell because people looked at his tape and saw some things that gave them a little bit of concern. And so that really is where I fall on this. I think that it's going to come down to who I like better on tape. Now, if Andrew Thomas is the guy that I think he is, and we're going to say that he's a lockdown left tackle, somebody that can occupy that position for 10 to 15 years at a really high level, then I would be tempted to take him over Jerry Judy if the two of them are both available at that spot. But if I watch the tape and think that 
Andrew Thomas is only going to be a pretty good left tackle, whereas I think Jerry Judy could be an all-time great wide receiver. Now, I'm not saying that I think that. I'm saying let's say I go through Judy's tape and come to that conclusion. Then I would go with Judy. So right now, it's really hard for me to answer that. But I will say, if all things are equal... And I think that both guys are the same in terms of talent, that I think that both can be great players, then I would probably lean towards Andrew Thomas in that scenario. Yeah, if, if you know, let's do this hypothetical where if you force me to make the pick right now, I would have to take Jerry Judy, but that's just because I've seen enough Jerry Judy that I'm very comfortable knowing that what Jerry Judy is going to be. And the the floor on Jerry Judy is is so good to me that I would be more than comfortable taking him. And with Andrew Thomas, I've seen some stuff uh, watching live, and it's, I've been impressed in some situations. Uh, but I haven't I haven't watched any tape on him. I haven't gone back and watched the tape on Jerry Judy either. But I've seen enough watching live over the last couple of years to know that I'm comfortable with his floor right now. Um, once we go, once I go in back and watch the tape, which I'll start doing as soon as the season ends, um, then I'll be more, uh, you know, I'll be able to make a better assessment here. But like you said, if, uh, if I look at the tape and I see an elite, uh, tackle somebody that I feel really comfortable with uh, there and somebody that matches up what a lot of people are saying is he is, then I would go ahead and bump him up, and I would put him above Jerry Judy, especially with how deep this receiver class is. Um, you know how much I love Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. Uh, it would pain me to not get one of those two guys, but if you can get a, a possible elite tackle and then go and get one of the other guys in the second round. Yeah, I'm all for that. So that if if that if I look at the tape and that's what I feel Thomas is, then I'll go with Thomas. Um <clears throat> right now I'm more comfortable saying I just know Jerry Judy's floor is going to be so high that I would be comfortable picking him wherever the Jets end up picking. It obviously is easier Chris to view what a wide receiver does during a game and yeah. see that and understand the impact that that receiver is making as opposed to an offensive tackle where you really, as I said, have to dig under the hood. So that's where that comes in. Obviously, we all know what Jerry Judy can do, but you really have to look at tape to determine how good or bad you think an offensive tackle is going to be at the next level. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard again. He says, gentlemen and gangsters, do you think that deep down Christopher Johnson knows what an awful mistake he made in hiring the usurper, but he's just too proud to say it? I will never not laugh whenever he calls him the usurper also so is there any way bam bam douglas does not realize what an awful head coach adam gase is so let's start with the first part of that i think that christopher johnson from all indications that have gotten still believes in adam gase and i think a lot of that is probably because he believed in him so strongly in the first place that he has kind of brainwashed himself into believing that gase is the guy that he thought he was rather than what his quote-unquote lying eyes might tell him so he'll look at this and say look at all the injuries this team has had he didn't have any chance to really develop the roster the way he wanted it because it was mike mccannion's roster he's got his general manager in here now 
so they can work together. It's only one year of Sam Darnold in his system, and Darnold was sick for a good portion of the season. So I think internally he's making those excuses and he's lying to himself. Whether or not he's going to eventually realize that is a whole other story. As far as Joe Douglas, do I think that he realizes that Adam Gase is a terrible coach? That one is a little more iffy. I'm sure that he has reservations at this point, and he's maybe not that sure of Adam Gase, but I'm not entirely certain that he's given up on Gase either because they do have a real strong vibe from what I understand, and he's probably thinking in his head that in the offseason, he and Gase can work together to shape the roster in a way that will allow Gase to do a better job in 2020. So I'm not entirely sure that Joe Douglas believes that Adam Gase is a bad coach. It's possible he does, but I think with Christopher Johnson, he has 100% talked himself into Adam Gase being the answer. Yeah, I. but here's the thing about Christopher Johnson is I don't think it's just him doing it um, to himself because I think there's a lot of people that are in agreement with him, and they just do this the thing that we've talked about where they just say, Look at the offensive line. Look at the injuries. Mm-hmm. He had to play, play Luke Falk. What chance did he have? And they kind of throw their hands up in the air, and they stop looking any further into the evaluation process. And one of the things about it is that the same people that are sitting here talking about uh, the injuries and Luke Falk and offensive line and you got to give him more time, those same people were still defending Mike McCagnan before Mike McCagnan actually got fired. And same with Christopher Johnson. Christopher Johnson decided to stick with Mike McCagnan until it was pointed out to him what a a terrible job he was doing and everything about else. So he pivoted and went and uh, made the change. But the same people saying this stuff about Adam Gase now are the same people that were defending Mike McCagnan because they don't want to dig really dig into this they, they want it to to wait until it's so bad the situation's so dire that you can't possibly argue it that's how people want to look at this stuff you can't possibly argue it then they'll make the decision <clears throat> and there's enough people out there who still just throwing up their hands saying what did you want from him this year look at everything how everything's gone what could he have done and they stopped their evaluation right there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of the case with Christopher Johnson. I think that's going to be the case. I think that's a, a tiny – th- this is a guess as it relates to Joe Douglas because, again, we don't know enough about him yet to make this case. But I think you made an excellent point that he's going to sit there and think, I can work with him to build this roster in our image and to work with what we have. I think that's what Joe Douglas is going to be leaning on and thinking right now. And this is kind of like, you know, we talk about this a lot with coaches having this ego about how, oh, get me this guy and I'll get him right. I'll coach him up. Uh, I think GMs and Joe Douglas is sitting there thinking, I can make this work. We can work together and we can build a roster that will work with Adam Gase. So I think that's probably the mindset that Joe Douglas is in right now. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Sun Moonrise says, Do you think there's any chance that these reports that the Jets are intent on getting rid of Le'Veon Bell in the offseason could be wrong? Maybe Adam Gase changes his mind and decides to keep Bell. If they do trade him, though, what do you think they would get for him? So I think there's a possibility Bell stays, but I do think that they're going to be looking to trade him. I think that Joe Douglas and Adam Gase are in agreement that the amount of money being spent on Bell isn't worth it. I don't particularly agree with them, especially considering the fact that I think Bell is a three-way threat. He can block, he can catch, and he can run. And if you improve the offensive line, it really helps Sam Darnold a ton to have Le'Veon Bell around. But I don't know that they share my opinion. I think that they will look to deal him, and they will be willing to eat a portion of the salary in order to get a deal done. What can they get? I think the absolute most you're looking at if they eat some of the salary is maybe they could get a fourth round pick. You're probably more likely looking at something between a fifth and a seventh though and it ends up becoming more or less a salary dump which is another reason why I really wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, I I still I think that while I disagree with it, I think that they're going to look to move on from him in the offseason. Uh, and what they can get back will depend on how much of the salary they're willing to eat. Um, but yeah, if, you know, if they're not going to eat a ton of it, then it's going to be fifth to seventh. If they're going to be willing to eat a ton of it, maybe they could get as high as a third, but I just, I think that they're going to try to do this. I, again, I wouldn't do it. Uh, but I just, at this point, I don't see how, what they're going to do. Uh, I don't, it doesn't seem like they want to work with him and they want to build around him and they really want him involved. Adam Gase and his running back situation. Uh, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to look to trade him. Um, and it's what they'll get back. It depends on how much salary they're going to be willing to eat, but I wouldn't expect it to be anything that you're going to get too excited about. And now it is Sunday, which means it's time to try and make you a few bucks courtesy of the Vivid Seats mobile app. You might want to go and see a playoff game somewhere close by in the next couple weeks. Philly's going to have a home game. Obviously, the Ravens are going to have one. A couple of destinations for you that aren't that far to drive to or take the train. You might want to get yourself tickets to it. And if you're going to do that, you can get yourself a really nice discount when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and enter the promo code OVERTIME. You'll get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. You can go and get yourself playoff tickets or... You may want to get something else, maybe concert tickets, maybe tickets to a wrestling match, a boxing match. Whatever it is you want to go see, you can get the tickets for it on the Vivid Seats mobile app. Just enter the promo code OVERTIME and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. And now to try and make you a few bucks, we bring in my brother Craig, who's going to give you his final picks of the regular season. But don't worry, he's going to have playoff picks for you, so opportunities to make money during the playoffs as well. Craig, first time I'm talking to you since Christmas. Belated Merry Christmas, sir. How was it in Las Vegas? It was good, man. Very nice. You know, just hanging out with the family at low-key and 
hanging out, watching some movies, listening to some music, eating some good food, and yeah, that was basically it. So all-American Christmas, if there ever was one, throw in a couple of cheesy Christmas movies and you've pretty much got it. Now that you're done with Christmas and you're done with all the eating and all the caroling, I assume somebody was singing in that house, and all the watching of movies, it's time to get down to business, Craig. Some brass tacks. Let's talk picks. And we're going to start with one of the two area teams. We'll get to the Jets later. Let's start with the Giants. What's your prediction for their finale? So, seems like an easy game for the Eagles. They just huge win against Dallas. Need this one to get in the playoffs and just really important game for them. All that being said, I'm going to pick the Giants. So, I, I like the Giants plus four. Again, four and 11, horrendous season. But, you know, teams seem to, I've seen these situations before and it seems like, oh yeah, the team that needs to make the playoffs is going to win the game. But no, it doesn't always work out that way. And I just think, Giants are going to be amped up for this one, you know, division rivalry game, chance to knock a team out of the playoffs. I think Giants are going to play well this one and leave some Eagles fans very disappointed. Interesting prediction. I'll tell you this. If that does happen, I don't want to be anywhere near Philadelphia after the game is over because that is going to be a very scary place to be if Philly somehow blows this one the same way that the Jets did back in 2015 against the Buffalo Bills. Let's move on to Houston. They've got a game against the Tennessee Titans. If the Tennessee Titans win this one, they're in the playoffs, and Ryan Tannehill returns for the first time since 2016. Do you think that Tennessee is going to be able to get this one against the Houston Texans and send themselves into the playoffs? So, again, another similar situation to the previous game where Tennessee wins, they're in. Houston, really not much to play for, maybe a little bit of seeding if somehow Kansas City loses, but realistically they're going to wind up being the four seed resting some players and all that being said i think they're gonna win this one at home plus three and a half i like houston so i don't know what's going to happen in the afc to be honest who gets in between pittsburgh tennessee or whichever of those teams gets in is probably going to get smashed at kansas city to be honest but i think houston's going to take this one even with some bench players so i'm going to go with houston plus the three and a half against tennessee You are loving the spoilers this week. It is not going to be pleasant in Tennessee either, although I don't think that people are going to get as crazy as they'll get in Philly if the Eagles blow that one. I think if Tennessee blows this, people will probably be okay with it by the next day, but they will be a tough pill to swallow in either of those two cities. Let's move on to Kansas City, who you just mentioned. Their opponent very well could be Tennessee if they end up defying your prediction and winning their game against Houston. But before they get to that point, Kansas City's got their final game of the season against the L.A. Chargers. Still weird to me. I want to say San Diego. It's still ingrained in my head, but it's the L.A. Chargers. Who do you like in this one? So, uh, again, Kansas City, not a ton to play for, considering New England plays Miami, and there would have to be an absolute miracle for Miami to win that game and Kansas City to get the bye. So they're most likely going to be stuck in the three seed. All that being said, still think they show up big here at home. San Diego, 5-10, and 10, horrible season. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Rivers, very good quarterback, but, I mean, they just hasn't been able to get it done. They haven't put anything around them, and San Diego's been real disappointing in the last bunch of years. So I'll take Kansas City, win big in this one, minus the nine, again, at home against San Diego. 
And last but not least, let's talk about the Jets finale. They are in Buffalo. It's another situation where a bunch of backups are going to play, but no opportunity to play spoiler because the Buffalo Bills are already in the playoffs. They're locked into the five seed. They've got nothing to play for here. The Jets have nothing to play for in terms of playoff aspirations, but they do have their pride maybe trying to finish seven and nine for whatever that's worth. What do you like here? So Yeah, this one's a little different. I mean, like you said, Buffalo nothing to play for. Jets. You could say they have nothing to play for, but it's a little different. I, I think they do have something to play for. They're playing with pride. They, you know, they started the season off one and seven. They 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 finished off strong, five and two in their last seven games. And I think they're going to win this one and finish the season seven and nine again. A little bit of a disappointing season, however, I, I do think as Jet fans, we have a little we have something to look forward to for next season. They're building. You know, they finished finished strong, and with Darnold missing three games and. A lot of other injuries with Mosley and everyone else. I, I think we got something to look forward to for next year if they can sign some good free agents and do well in the draft. I, I like I like what I've been seeing out of Darnold. I know the Jets had an easy schedule in the second half, but I think they finished pretty strong. And I, I think, again, I know Buffalo doesn't need the game, but I, I think the Jets will win this one actually fairly easily by at least, at least a touchdown. Would make sense considering Buffalo's going to be playing a lot of their backups and they don't need this game, but... Crazier things have happened, certainly in Buffalo, crazier things have happened. 2015, in the memory of that game, still hovers over all Jets fans, so who knows what's going to happen when the Jets take on the Bills later today. Craig, finally, we get to the teaser. Who do you like this week? So yeah, last week I actually lost my teaser. I went 2-1 and one in my picks, but uh, this week I'm going to go with two of the picks I just gave you. I'm going to go with the Jets plus the eight again. I'd, I'd be surprised if they lost this one by more than a touchdown. I mean, Buffalo, nothing to play for. Jets, obviously, been playing well. Darnold has something to prove. So I think Jets will keep this one close. If they don't win, I, I expect them to win. But And then the other one, I'm going to go with Kansas City minus the two. Again, Kansas City, not much to play for. New England's going to blow Miami out, most likely. But doesn't mean Kansas City won't take care of their business as well. So I like Kansas City minus the two against L.A. and then the Jets plus the eight against Buffalo. I like that. I think L.A. is pretty much packed it in. And as we said, the Bills have nothing to play for. They're going to be playing backups. So hard to imagine that even if they win, it's going to be by any kind of wide margin. Craig, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to doing some playoff picks with you next week. In the meantime, though, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, pick your brain on gambling, maybe on some poker. Maybe they want to talk to you about the cheesy Christmas movies that you watched over the holiday season. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, so you can get a hold of me at cmace86 at AOL.com and Craig Mason on Facebook. Uh, actually, there's my sign to go because I hear a crying baby in the other room. But uh, <laughs> yeah, cmace86 at AOL.com and Craig Mason on Facebook. All right, Craig, go take care of my niece. Don't let her cry. And hopefully Jets fans are not crying after today's game against the Buffalo Bills. Well, plenty to say about that in the post-game report with Matt Stepakoski of NJ.com. Podcast should be up right around midnight. In the meantime, though, make sure you reach out to Craig and Dr. Stoller. 
And of course, make sure you're following Chris Nimbly on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. That's where you can also read Michael Nania as well. If you enjoy this podcast, please go ahead and give us a five-star review over on iTunes. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it helps a lot, and we really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com.